Ephesians chapter 1 for our thoughts this morning. If you would, turn your Bibles there. Book of Ephesians chapter 1. When you get there, if you would, please stand. Honor God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has proposed in himself, that in, the des- that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to worship you, the true and living God. Father, we thank you for those that have come out and are here this morning. Father, we just pray now as bread of life is broken that you'll just give me the words to say. I might speak those things you've laid upon my heart. And Lord, I pray that you'll feed your flock through your holy word. And Lord, I ask that prayer requests that have been written down and spoken and even unspoken, I just pray, Lord, that you'll intercede and your will will be done with each one of these requests. And Father, I ask that you bless the message and your word reach its intended purposes. Speak to those hearts that need to be spoken to. And Lord, the invitation's given. If there's a need, it would be met before it's eternally too late. Especially, Lord, if there's one here that knows not Christ and the free pardon of sin. May they be saved. I love you. I praise you. I thank you for this church. I pray you continue to help us to be a light in this community. I pray, Father, you'd be with those that are out today. Lord, there's several that are out that's normally here. You know the hindrances. You know where they're at. I pray you just bring them back to us safely. I love you and I praise you. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for the assurance of it. For in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's always amazing to me that when it comes to God's word, God always confirms it. It's amazing. I had no idea they were going to sing about the blood and redemption. And this is what he laid on my heart this week as I studied the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And that's what I want to speak to you about a little bit today, about the redemption of God. And I don't know... 
I'm sure everybody here that's been saved for any period of time and been in church actively serving the Lord, you know about redemption, you know what the uh, definition is, you know what it means. But beloved, how can we as born again children of God not be excited about redemption? Listen, without redemption there is no remission, forgiveness of sin. Blood has to be shed. And thank God the precious Son of God was sent into the world for that one purpose, to shed His blood so that we could be redeemed and reconciled to God. Now, let's look at verse 7. I'm only going to preach one, two, three, four verses so y'all don't be looking at your watch. But it shouldn't take me that long. Okay? But look at verse 7. In whom... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, if I don't like your shucks, your shucks are wet. Amen. Understand in whom we have redemption. Now, understand God. In eternity past, before he ever breathed into the nostrils of his creation man, devised a plan to redeem us. And that word redemption means that we, humanity, was held in bondage. And a ransom price, and that's what redemption means, to be ransomed, a price paid to set us Free And all of us were in bondage. Bondage to sin. In the stable of sin. And God knowing that we couldn't pay the price to set ourselves free. An eternity past devised an eternal plan to send his son into the world... To pay that price for us. I pinch myself. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. But that's who God is. God loves us. But listen. You can't think about redemption. Without remembering the price. That was paid. For that redemption. You see. Jesus literally had to shed his blood. And the Bible says that we are redeemed through what? His blood. You see, he was the only one that could pay it. Now, understand, there will be those today that will argue, you don't really believe that God and Jesus are the same. Yeah, I do. Because the Bible teaches it. It teaches the deity of Christ. Listen, God put on the robe of flesh and Christ came into the world and died on the cross. And he shed his blood to redeem us. Now understand, it wasn't just the pain of the nails or the thorns. While he was on the cross dying for humanity to provide salvation... Our sin was placed upon him, all of our sins, and God literally poured out his wrath on Christ 
Because he was our substitute. Talking about a price that was paid. But it wasn't enough just to to die and be buried. He had to rise triumphantly to guarantee our salvation. So when it comes to redemption, you and I should be shouting from the rooftops. If you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you have a reason to shout. Is it alright for Baptists to shout? Amen. Amen. Baptists are to shout. Now, not only that, look. In whom we have redemption, a ransom was paid through His blood. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And then notice what it says. The forgiveness of sins. You see, through the sacrifice of God's Son, a pardon was given to you and me and all humanity that will accept the precious gift of salvation. And Because we couldn't pay that debt and Jesus had to through his sacrifice on the cross, through the shedding of his blood, we are pardoned. Our sins are done away with. They've been let go. God could have held them against us. God could have required us to pay. But him knowing we're from the dust of the earth. He knows our frame. He knows that we have inherited a sinful nature that began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He, therefore, allowed Jesus to pay it and has declared us through his sacrifice on the cross forgiven. How many of you are thankful you're forgiven this morning? Oh, I'm telling you, thank the Lord for his precious blood. Thank the Lord for forgiveness. Oh, I have been forgiven for a lot. And I would venture to say every one of us could say the same thing. We've been forgiven for a lot. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Understand, am I still a sinner? Yes, I'm a saved sinner, but I'm still a sinner. But I have been forgiven all of my sins of the past, the present, and the future were placed upon Christ when he died on the cross. I can hold my head up knowing That Jesus took my place and was judged for my sins. Therefore, I don't ever have to worry about God judging me. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, I pinch myself. Now you know why when I go to bed before as a lost man, I was scared to death. I wasn't going to wake up. I was fearful that I would meet God. Lost and undone in sin. But now that I've been blood-bought, 
Sin's washed away by his blood. Listen to me. I can lay my head on a pillow at night and I don't worry. If my heart stops, if I stop breathing, I know where I'm going to go. And when I get there, I'm not going to have God's finger pointed in my face saying, you don't belong here, you wretched sinner. No, no, no. He's going to say, you're one of my children. Come on in. Amen? Mm. Praise the Lord. Now, why would God provide salvation? Well, look at the very end of verse 7. According to the riches of His grace. I can't explain it any better than what Paul just explained there. The reason God provided salvation for His creation is because of His grace. Talking about unmerited favor. Talking about God giving to us what we don't deserve. Or we could never acquire on our own. That's grace. And by the way, notice he says, the riches of his grace. Are you breathing this morning? You got a roof over your head? You're not sleeping on the street somewhere? You got a job? Maybe you're retired. That's a blessing. That's grace. (laughs) Feel sorry for me. I can't retire. Preachers don't retire. They might get too old to pastor, but they don't ever retire. But all of those things that God has given you, all the blessings, and by the way, if I was to say, get a piece of paper and a pen and start writing down all the blessings, you know what? I'd have to give you more and more paper. Because that's the riches of God's grace. And God, being God, holy, righteous, He could have said, no, I'm going to require them because I'm holy and they have transgressed my law. I'm going to require them to pay the debt. But he didn't. Why? Because of his grace. For by grace are you saved by what? Faith. Not works. Nothing man can do to earn it on his own accord. Aren't you thankful for the riches of God's grace? Oh, tell you what, Apostle Paul, he had it right, didn't he? Knew what he was talking about. He experienced the grace of God on the road to Damascus. Notice what it says in the next verse. Wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, wisdom, of course, is understanding. Prudence is insight. But understand, when we first got saved, those of us, did you understand everything about God? No, even though I was raised in a Baptist church as a boy, 
And I heard the gospel many, many times, over and over again. I sat in Sunday school class. I went to vacation Bible school. We went to revivals. As a boy, I had no understanding until I got saved. And the Holy Spirit came into my heart and indwelt me. And then through the leading of the Spirit and the Word of God, I began to understand who God is. I began to understand that no matter what, the reason I'm here and I'm saved is because God loves me. And if I will continue to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct me, I will continue to be in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to live in me also and live out what it says in my daily life, then I can have a perfectly intimate relationship with Christ. So you see, He gives us understanding, wisdom, and insight. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. Yes, he wants us saved. That's the whole reason Jesus came, was to redeem us, save us. But he wants us to serve him. And he wants us to not only serve him, but to serve others and conform ourselves to the image of his son so that he The Father receives the glory. That's his plan. That's his purpose. Notice the next verse. Wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He gives us understanding and insight. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Again. Before we were saved, did we understand the mysteries of God? Now that we're saved, do we still understand all the mysteries of God? No. And anybody tells you they do, worry about them. Because if they start saying, oh, God gave me a new revelation and I'm the only one that's got it and all of this, run. Or better yet, put that poor fellow out of his misery. Amen, because he ain't right. So, no, notice though what it says about the mystery. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, and again, what's God's will? That you and I have an intimate walk with him, conforming ourselves to the image of his son. Notice what it says, according to his good pleasure, which he has proposed in him. You see, when it comes to the mysteries of God, what, what is the mystery of God? Well, one of them is that he would save wretches like us. That's a mystery, why he would love us so much. But he does. That he would forgive us of every sin. That's a mystery. That's something I don't quite understand yet. And I won't. Fully understand it till I get to heaven. Amen. And that, not only that, he has prepared a home in 
heaven so that we might spend eternity with him. And that's a mystery. You say, no, heaven's not a mystery. There's a heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't know but just a fraction and a small fraction at that about all that God has prepared for them that love him. Amen. Yes, the Bible says streets of gold. Yes, the Bible says gates of pearl. Yes, the Bible says that he is the light. And he will one day be on his throne. And we will all, as the angels and the elders, praise him forevermore. Saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great is the Lamb. Yes, I understand that. But. We're not going to know all of the glories until we're all there and we see for ourselves what God's prepared for them that love him. Amen? Now, and it's proposed that God has proposed himself that we understand. But here is my favorite part here. Look at verse 10. This will preach. Verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Understand this morning, Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians 2,000 years ago. And what Paul is telling the church and telling us today is this, that even though it's at the fullness of time, God's timing, He will come again. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all believe that? Amen. Listen. In God's timing, he has declared to come back. And Paul was instructing the church, no matter what, don't depend on the government, don't depend on society. Take God at his word. When his time table is finally done, then will he return. Just as he promised. Do y'all believe that? I do. Now, y'all agree with me this morning that God has a timetable. Do you think it's going as planned? Guaranteed it's going as planned. Because he's sovereign and his plan will be fulfilled to the tittle. Amen. He's not coming one second too early. Or one second too late, he will be here when it's time. And you and I, as believers, and yes, the world is in bad shape. Yes, there's going to be all kinds of persecution coming down the road. And you can see it today, coming. But don't be discouraged, understand he's coming. And he, by his grace, will see us through. 
until we're called to meet him in the air. Amen? Now, notice what it says. It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. You see, we've all agreed he's coming. And when he does come, we're going to meet him in the air. And we're going to be with him. And he is going to be on the throne. Christ. And we're going to worship him. Honor him. Praise him. And the Bible says that every knee as he's on the throne. As the holy righteous judge Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Father. Think about that. You see, everything in heaven and on earth is going to recognize who he is and what he has done. So, am I thankful for my redemption? Oh, yes. The debt I could never pay. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been pardoned. I've been forgiven. When the Father sees me, he sees the righteousness of his son. He doesn't see me as an old sinner. He doesn't see my sin. Why? Because Jesus already paid for those sins. I have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. I am covered. You are covered if you know Jesus. So yes, we've got a lot to be grateful for. In fact, the truth be known, we should all be at the altar just praising and thanking him for what he has done for us. But maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Why not come in repentance and faith and be saved? That's the whole reason he came into the world. He came to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. So this morning, we get ready for an invitation. Brother Bob, you and Sister Holly come. Wow, I'm proud of myself. That's 20 minutes. I've never preached a 20-minute sermon in my life. Understand. Wait, I take that back. My first sermon was 10 minutes. My wife reminded me. Huh? Six minutes? Thank you. Do I have a three minute? Here's my point. He loves you. That's right, sister. He loves you. And he'll save you. Maybe you've been saved, but maybe he hadn't been 
a priority in your life like he once was. And if we'll all be honest in the house of God, we can all say, yeah, there's been times he hadn't been the priority. You can make things right today. Life is too short. I told you about my cousin. Great guy. Uh, day before yesterday, he passed the day before and then he had his birthday. Been 63. Great guy. And he was saved and I rejoice in that. But I used to think 63 was ancient. Uh, I'm 63. It's not ancient. You say, well, what are you trying to get across to me? That life is fragile. It's a vapor that appears just for a little time. Just for a little time. And then it vanishes away. We're here today, gone tomorrow. And if God has blessed you for 63 years, 73 years, 83 years, you praise God for that. But you're not guaranteed you're going to see another day. So don't take a chance and gamble on eternity. If you've not received Christ as your Savior, I'll just go ahead and tell you, you're not ready to die. So make preparation. But he wants to save you because he loves you.